will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. GIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour and very happy once again to be working with bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Our producer, Benny, how are you today, sir? I'm doing very well to my favorite Floridians, as always. Good, good. Well, that's great. Uh, here in, in Tampa, we're getting a little rain. They're south of Tampa here in Sarasota. There and maybe that's God crying over the second in what no doubt will be a series of retirement announcements by Tom Brady. <laughs> so I don't know how many times the guy's going to retire, but at some point he'll stop playing professional football. Well, that's all I want to hear. Good for you, Mister. Twenty plus years. Good for you. We don't want you back. Okay. That's right. There's other teams that's that can right. do it too. <laughs> he yeah. will make haste. I didn't check the contract myself. I wasn't privy to it, but. Apparently, he can pad his way down the hall to Fox, where they have a $375 million contract waiting for him to sign so he can be an analyst. Cha-ching! Apparently, cha-ching, yeah, cha-ching, apparently cha-ching. he understands some of the nuances of football from his perspective, so he can share that with the viewing audience, maybe as early as the Super Bowl. I don't know what they're mm. going to do with that. It sounds very interesting. I don't know. It'd be kind of fun to, if he jumps in there and he starts calling the plays like, all right, this is what I would do here. Oh, they're going to do that. He's got a probably yeah. refrain on doing all that. <laughs> no, see right there? Now, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> that would be fun. I would have not Tell done how that. you really feel, Tom. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let me just go down there and show him. Which he could yeah. in many cases, I'm sure. We are here today very happy to talk with a good friend of ours. She's not only been a friend of the show, she's been a personal friend of mine going back, oh my goodness, to the 1990s. And Suzanne thinks well of her also. And so when we had the chance to bring the Reverend Bonnie Barnard back to our airwaves, of course, we were very, very happy to do that. Do you have something written in regard to her that constitutes mad props, Suzanne? I'll make it up. Okay. Reverend Bonnie Barnard received her Bachelor of Arts in Religious Studies and her Doctorate of Divinity before her religious ordination in the Church of Religious Science. She is the author of Forgive Your Way to Freedom, The Good Life, Daily Lessons for the Mystic in Training, Affirmative Prayer, Qualities of God, Qualities of Being, Metaphysical Lent, and 30 Days of Joy. Her website is bonniebarnard.com, which we'll be sure to give out once again uh, at the bottom of the hour. And in the meantime, we are happy to welcome Bonnie back. Good to have you, Bonnie. Thank you so much. And I would add to that, that I am now the spiritual leader at Unity Spiritual Center Spokane in Spokane, Washington. And um, you can find us if you're interested in our Sunday services, you can find replays on YouTube. Just type in my name or Unity Spiritual Center Spokane. And then of course, we're live at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Sundays. Excellent. And for us, that's 1 p.m., an afternoon service here in Florida. Sounds the same. And we enjoy it very much because, and this is the great thing, Bonnie, about uh, things like uh, Zoom, YouTube, Facebook, 
the capacity, if you have enough bandwidth going there with a, a website to be able to get the message around the world instantaneously. That's a miracle. It is. And I like to say that um, we all kind of have our own vibrational address or our own, own vibration that we live in. And certain people resonate with certain things. And so what's lovely is that there are now almost unlimited options out there. And so what you resonate with is available so you can find your people, for lack of a better terminology. And so we're an option. And if it turns out that we're your people, we'd love to have you join us. And if you're in Spokane, to stop by for a service, which, by the way, I hope the two of you will be coming to Spokane at some point. I hope that we will. We've been, in fact, uh, we've stayed in Spokane twice during our cross-country trip way back in 2017 there. And so we got to see a bit of Spokane, a very interesting town in a number of ways. There is a downtown core that seems to me like a preservation of the best of its past. There's a stateliness to some of the buildings there. It isn't all new angular construction where it looks funky and looks postmodern. There's uh, also a history to Spokane, and it seems to be celebrated in the downtown core. Yes, and it's on a river, so it's really beautiful. And then um, my house, which you can only see white walls behind me, those who can see us on Zoom, um, is a 1929 home. And prob- what I noticed when I was house hunting was that the like 80% of the homes were built in the early 1900s, and 20% of the homes were built in like the 70s. So it's a it's an interesting city because you really do feel like you're going back in history when you're driving around. Very interesting. And we are not broadcasting our video. So hopefully our listeners are not scrambling to look at (laughs) white walls. So they would be disappointed. It's white walls. So there you go. It's only white walls. So the radio is often nicknamed theater of the mind. So we're doing our best. (laughs) There you go. Imagine white walls. (laughs) Bonnie, yesterday I watched one of my most favorite, one of my top five movies a very, very, very spiritual movie. Yeah. Groundhog Day. Yeah. On Groundhog Day. I watched Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. I looked for it last year and I could not find it televised anywhere. And this year it was televised on AMC and I got to watch Groundhog Day. Have you seen that movie before? I saw it when it first came out. And so I was going to ask you, um, obviously, I remember the theme of the movie. um, But was there anything that you saw that you had forgotten that kind of like um, tickled you in some way? Yes, actually, there were quite a few things that I saw that I had forgotten about. I, I don't see it that often. And I didn't see it last year. So it was, you know, at least two years ago. I don't own a copy of it. And so I catch it when I can. And it is a movie that absolutely tickles me. And that is the right word for it. This idea of repeating our days over and over and over and over and over again until we get it right. And and I thought, what a good thing to talk about with Bonnie today, because we just keep repeating our patterns in our lives until we change something. And I love the transformation where he is so bitter 
so bitter in the beginning about having to relive the same day. And at one point he's telling his two uh, bowling buddies that he meets, you know, I, I spent a day once, uh, you know, on the beach with a lovely girl and we made love. Why couldn't I repeat that day? <laughs> you know, we, we ate lobster, you know, it was wonderful. That's the day I wanted to repeat. Instead, yeah. he's got this terrible day and he is he's just so miserable and finally decides he's just going to kill himself over and over and over again in every way possible because life is just not worth living the same day over and over and over again. And he can't even do that. He wakes up in the bed the same morning untouched. And then, and, and this is like infinity. So he ends up learning foreign languages, taking piano lessons, dating all kinds of women. And then he finds uh, things to do around Punxsutawney to help uh, an old man, to help ladies with a flat tire, to help a kid falling out of a tree. And, and his life becomes something quite different when he shifts over from this extremely bitter person to this person who now spends his days learning things and helping others. I mean, I tell you, Bonnie, I love that movie. I love the lessons in that movie. Now I want to go back and, and watch it again. I do remember the over and over and over and over again. And I think all of us can relate to that if we're aware and awake enough to go, oh my gosh, you know, um, I'm do I'm showing up the same way. I'm just showing yes. up the same way and how um, unfulfilling that can be, especially if your same way is one that is filled with bitterness and um, anger and all of those lower vibrating emotions. Things not working out. Things yeah. never work out for me. Things yeah. never work out. If, you, if that is your life, I never get the right job. I never get the right mate. I never make a lot of money. I mean, to yeah. repeat that life over yeah. and over and over again is 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 not good. But, no, but, but what's lovely is that that's probably most of our population. So that's, there was a filmmaker who was aware and bright enough to decide to show that film so that we see ourselves in it was really um, very progressive at the time and still is. It definitely is. And it also seems to be less a comedy, though there are many funny scenes in it, and virtually every scene in the movie is memorable in some way. But it seems that for a lot of people, it is less of a comedy and more of an inspiration to them, a chance to review their lives and ask them, okay, you know, call it 10,000 days. I've lived 10,000 days, or have I lived one day 10,000 times? And what am I going to do about that? Yeah, yeah, that is really spectacular. I was um, at what's called Unity Summit, which is um, a minister's gathering for Unity Ministers this last week. And they were reviewing this um, kind of a marketing strategy. And they were showing how, and we all know this, they were showing how we type into Google a word or a phrase, 
And then all of a sudden it shows up in every single platform we have the answer to that, right? So you put ingrown toenail or what have you. And then all of a sudden, if you're on Facebook, you get an ad for ingrown toenails. And if you open your phone and um, and open Twitter, there's an ingrown toenail. I mean, like it's it's basically what you've put out into the airwaves comes back to you with a solution. It comes, that conversation begins and it starts repeating itself back to you. And one of the astute ministers said, oh my God, this is exactly what we teach. And I got goosebumps because it is exactly what we teach, which is, what you put out in the world, what that that your life is lived internally, and what you put out comes back. And our software has mimicked that. And that, so, Suzanne, I think of that um, movie as you talk about it. And here is this person trapped inside of their own way of seeing the world, and they just keep living it over and over and over again. And the way to break a pattern is awareness but then it's also to do something different. And yes. so I yeah. love that idea that, you know, whatever it is you put out there, you're going to have solutions. You're going to have a mirror. You're going to have experiences because that's your screen that you're seeing the world from. At one point, you know, he says, you know, there are no consequences. And so he's eating a table full of food, probably at about 5,000 calories in it. And he's stuffing his face. And he's he's saying, you can live life with no consequences. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the idea about the mirror shows up when in the first part of the movie, He's he's very bitter. He's a, uh, a weatherman who's there to watch uh, Punxsutawney Phil, whether or not he sees a shadow. <laughs> and he's he go- goes in one day, um, you know, uh, dirty, unshaven, and blah 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 blah. And people are frowning at him because they are mirroring his negativity. And then at the end of the movie, he goes in and he delivers a speech to a rapt audience in the same location, because it's, you know, the same day over again. And he's delivering a, a speech about winter and, and you know, what is to come in spring. And, and everybody's just standing there watching him and they're all smiling. And so his happiness or peace was reflected with them as well. Yes. And, it, you know, it kind of goes back to misery loves company, but so does yes. happiness. Happiness yes. loves company too. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. There was um, a woman I met recently who told me when she wake up, wakes up every morning, she chooses that she's going to be happy. And it reminds me of that Bible verse of be of good cheer. There'll be trials and tribulations in the world, be of good cheer. And when I think of the spiritual journey, it is not easy, right? I mean, because it's very seductive to get caught into what's caught up into what's going on in the world, what we've created collectively as our reality. And the scriptures say, stop, be of good cheer. And this woman had told me, she says, I wake every up every morning and I say, 
um, I'm, you know, I am going to be of good cheer. I'm going to be happy and I'm going to bring that into my world. And um, it reminded me of how lazy I can be with my mind sometimes because I don't do that. But once she said that, it was like a, it, you know, back to having the world mirror back or talk back or bring solutions to you. It was like, oh, here's something I haven't thought of that I could practice. I could wake up every morning and decide intentionally that I'm going to enjoy my day. What a cool thing. So I was really grateful she crossed my path for sure. You, you said earlier, life is lived internally and, you know, as above, so below, as within, so without, and, and having a, a, a cleaner, better internal life may very well result in the circumstances of your life matching that. I don't want to use that as a cudgel to hit people over the head when they're going through trials and tribulations to say, you know, what's wrong with your thinking? I think that's a uh, mean-spirited, uncompassionate thing to do. However, I think to introduce something more positive into people who are struggling may give them a little bit of a window or a door to go through to realize that there is another way to be. You can wake up with a gratitude list. You can wake up deciding to be happy. You don't have to wake up miserable. Yeah. And I'm not sure that we individually create our own realities to the extent of going through trouble. Like I, I have been in conversation with my highest power for a very long time over this conversation, over this idea. And there are so many people and input. There's so much input in my field. Of course, I'm the dominant force of my field, but also in my field are the two of you, because I love you and I care about you and you're, what you're going through shows up in my field. Um, my daughter and her family, that's in my field. My, my friends around the world, they're in my field. And so the, um, what's interesting is sometimes I become sick and then I talk to some of my closest friends who live in other parts of the world and they just got done being sick. So I realized a long time ago, at least it's my belief that I, that the contagion does not exist with somebody three feet away from me. The contagion exists with people that I love that I share a field with and we pass things around. So um, I'm not sure what quantum physics says about that. I kind of think that it would concur with me. Um, Not sure. But I stopped looking at the causality of um, my discomfort. I kind of decided that that didn't matter to me anymore. What mattered was how I met it. What mattered was if I was willing to be part of transforming it. What mattered was um, if I could see the divine presence within it. What mattered 
was because everything's energy, right? So and and energy, what what's that Einstein quote? Energy doesn't go away. We Gary, you know what it is. Yes, thank you. I'm often mentioned in connection with Einstein when his subjects come up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but, but the idea that, and it's something that I've actually questioned for myself, you know, just going online, one reads things or one hears things. The idea that energy cannot be destroyed, but That's it's it. form, but its form changes. That's, That's very it. reassuring to me. And then you think, That's well, it. there are people trying to measure whether or not dark matter there it extinguishes it is the volume of matter in the universe homeostatic or does some of that go away in which case it calls that whole theorem into question oh that's interesting very interesting um and um i guess the whole rumpelstiltskin um fable is that you could take whatever you have was it rumpelstiltskin you could take whatever you have and turn it into gold was that him? Oh, I think King Midas was on everything. Somebody, somebody took raw material I, I, and turned I think it into could, gold. Yeah, I think you're right. And so problem. we have the opportunity to take horrible things that happen in our lives. And I would never tell anyone how to navigate them, ever. Um, what I teach or do is I provide spiritual practices for people to get in touch with themselves in order to meet those places. But the most powerful human beings I've ever met on this planet have had just horrific things happen to them. And they have met a part of themselves that is deeper than that which happened. And their capacity for light is so great. The capacity for light and for life and for the greater possibilities life. of life. Yeah, but too much of one thing, to me, it's a matter of balance. When we talk about King Midas, he had the Midas touch. Everything he touched turned to gold. And after he found out that, believe me, he stayed away from finger foods. But the idea is that if you're going to turn something into gold, and you have all the gold in the world, and you keep creating gold through this alchemy, is that necessarily good for you? Does that meet a sacred purpose? Does it meet a personal purpose? purpose that might enhance your enjoyment of life this is the thing i mean hey you know remember the rajneeshi there was a guy there what did he have 17 rolls royces and when he was asked about it he said he would be fine with 18 rolls royces well when is enough enough pal well when i say turn into gold i am not talking of riches on the planet i'm talking metaphysically of taking something that is um energy and and rising it up so i'm not talking about making more rolls royces gary i'm talking about capacity to love i'm talking about transformation of the heart always the inside job it seems to always me. always the inside job and interestingly enough i don't know a lot about king midas um but i i discover things that show up in my home or in my world that I never purchased. I never got, no one gave to me. They just randomly show up. I have a little statue of King Midas I found in my home. No oh, idea, really? no idea where <laughs> he came from at all. Don't even know his backstory, but I'm going to find out now. And um, he sits on my windowsill. 
you were also correct about rumpled still skin because Benny looked it up and he was the gnome like man who spins straw into gold. Yep. And he does that for the miller's daughter in exchange for getting her future firstborn child. So yes, it was straw into gold. And he used to do that overnight. She was required yeah. to do all this spinning, but he did it for her. And the idea there was that he was going to get her firstborn child. That's right. I think he's missing a step there, but anyway, that's, <laughs> the that's, best step. he's missing that's, the best step. <laughs> yeah. I would say that's Rumpelstiltskin's problem. I'm not yeah, his that's therapist. His issue. <laughs> One of the things I, I wanted to insert into what you were saying, Bonnie, is you said when you were counseling people, that you would counsel them in such a way that they would be able to meet the challenges that are facing them. I mean, this is good. This is growing your soul in the right direction. And and one of the things that I've seen when someone is acting badly, and I mean, um, when they're when they are being a, a victim or when they are. Um, you know, blaming others, or there's something else going on. I I say to myself, they really don't know who they are. Yeah. Because if they knew who they were, <clears throat> they would realize how powerful they are. But we 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 disempower ourselves sometimes with our behavior. And and so it's like revealing that we don't think that we have any power. We don't think we're very worthy in some ways that we act. But when I heard you say that you were, you know, empowering people to meet their challenges, I would think that a lot of that has to do with getting people to realize that they can co-create their lives with yes. how it is that they're thinking about things and how they are viewing things. Yeah. How long was it on your spiritual journey when you started taking an active role in your spiritual journey that you came to the realization you could co-create? Not that somebody told you, but that you realized, oh my God, I'm really co-creating this. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you're going to laugh when I tell you. I was realizing it late in my teen years when I stayed with my great aunt in Ocala, Florida, and she gave me the Daily Word and the Unity Magazine. Wow. I bow to you because it probably took 20 years since I, even more than that, since I had an active spiritual practice that I actually really got, this really is true. Because it took a long time to let go. It took a long time to unlearn. It took a long time. Like it wasn't an immediate process. For me, oh, no, not for me either, Bonnie. She introduced me to okay. those ideas at that time. And it uh, was many years in, um, you know, getting, uh, absorbing all the material and, and really getting it. It wasn't an overnight uh, switch on and off process. It was years of reading, years of study, years of praying. It, it was a long time, you know, before, you know, I could feel comfortable with a lot of those concepts. Yeah. God, that's cool. The Daily Word. That is the so Daily cool. Word and the Unity Magazine. And I was a wow. teenager. I came from wow. a Protestant background. 
we were visiting my great aunt and my great uncle for the holidays and came down on a train, took a train down from Chicago to Florida in a sleeper car, slept overnight, going up and down the Smoky Mountains. And then that's one of the things that she introduced me to when we got to Florida. So it's been in my life a long time. Wow. Yeah, and I'll I'd appreciate that. (laughs) I'll put a plug in for the Science of Mind um, magazine, too, because the Daily Word, the Unity magazine and the Science of Mind magazine, all three of those are so powerful. And I would just put a a plug in for all three of those for people who are listening, if they're not aware of those to check them out. And it's important to pay attention, first of all, because we're now at break time or one and only break of the hour has arrived. But also on the other side, and once we're done with the marketing piece, as we like to call it, I have a story I'd like to tell. And it's one where I just slap my head when I think, oh, my God, (laughs) the the pot of gold was right there at the end of my rainbow. And I didn't see it. I didn't even see the rainbow. And that's a story out of my past and Las Vegas. I'll get to that in a few minutes. We are talking very happily with the Reverend Bonnie Barnard. She is the senior minister at Unity Spiritual Center, Spokane. And you'll get the website shortly. You can tune into services. They are wonderful. You can feel the joy even over 3,000 miles away like we do in Florida on a weekly basis, I might add. Well worth checking out. That spiritual center in Spokane. It's where Reverend Bonnie is. And Reverend Bonnie Barnard is someone whose colleague minister there in Spokane said, truth doesn't get truthier than it does with Bonnie. What an encomium. What a lovely thing to say. And it's the truth. Give us a couple (laughs) of minutes. We'll be right back. We are Manson Mitchell, and you are tuned in to AM 1150, the home of Alternative Talk in Seattle. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. 
On Friday, Vance and Mitchell welcome Bonnie Barnard with tips on living affirmatively that last beyond New Year's resolutions. On Saturday, Kathleen Marden discloses a shocking personal story of her family's involvement with extraterrestrials and government officials over many years. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Reverend Bonnie Barnard. Bonnie, if people would like to connect with you, maybe come to your service or get your books or any of that, please let them know how to make those connections. Sure. So um, so if you're interested in attending one of our online services, you can do that at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Sundays or anytime you want during the week on YouTube. Um, our website is unityspokane.org. And then my books you can find on my own ministry website, which is Bonnie Barnard dot. Is it com? Oh, been so long since I've been to my website. Let's pretend it is (laughs) bonniebarner.com. Yeah. Um, And uh, of course, Amazon carries all my books. Okay. Excellent. And, you know, I'm just going to spell your last name because it's not Bernard, it's Barnard, B-A-R-N-N-A-R-D. No, not two, two, it's B-A-R-N-A-R-D, not two N's. I don't think I said two N's. Oh, okay. And I don't know, but I was just reading a chat from Benny that said, yes, my website is bonniebarnard.com. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> bonniebarnard.com. And in case oh you're ever going to be in the neighborhood, by the way, what is the address of the church office there in Spokane? Yeah, it's 2900 South Bernard Street. Now, so excuse it- me, wait. Now, Bonnie, uh, Bonnie Barnard, Barnard is on Bernard works Street. on Bernard. You want yes, Barnard, how confusing you is that? And you knew that, which is why you asked. 2900 yes. South Bernard Street, B-E-R-N-A-R-D. Yeah, how's that? All right, we've had enough fun with your last name for now. <laughs> I was living in Las Vegas until July of 1989 when I moved to Seattle. The short version is I had been thinking plotting, scheming, imagining, and talking to myself nonstop about my need to go to Seattle because I felt called to go there, not only for my own happiness, but also because I thought there was something waiting for me there. And I needed to keep that appointment there. And I thought, you know, I'm obsessed with this. I mean, throughout the day, I live in Las Vegas. That's where I get my mail. That's where I have an apartment there, but I really feel like I need to be in Seattle. And I used to take walks. I just leave the car parked and I would take a walk up to the local burger joint across from UNLV where I was taking classes. Those are some fun memories. But anyway, I used to think, what is it going to take? If only I had a system, if there was only some kind of composite way that I could put together so that I could have confidence that I'm going to make it to Seattle because that's my destiny. I need to be in Seattle. There's something waiting for me there. I just don't know quite how to make that happen. And I would think this, for example, when I was walking to get myself some lunch and I would take this walk, heat be damned, I'm gonna hoof it, go over to my burger place 
And as I was thinking these thoughts, how do I get to Seattle? How do I get to Seattle? Oh, what, what sort of mental alchemy do I have to undertake? Every time I did that on foot, I would walk past just a stone's throw from my apartment. I would walk right past the first religious science church of Las Vegas. Never went in. Never set foot in the place until after I had lived in Seattle for a few years. And then I was wow. going through a transitional phase and needing to get a new job, et cetera. There, and I I just laugh at it. Now I go, my God, you wanted something systematic. You wanted a philosophy that would work, something you could hang your hat on, so to speak. And I walked past it countless times. It was waiting right there. And so I say, wow. I didn't recognize either the rainbow or the pot of gold at the end of it. I just didn't see it. Isn't that fascinating? Because that you and I met at the Center for Spiritual Living, the Religious Science Center in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the kind of the way that that wove together is interesting. Wow. It definitely is. And then when I, I found it, and if one goes into the science of mind, which is a, a big textbook, and Ernest Holmes, he couldn't stop writing. God had to take him <laughs> home or keep writing there. But when you get down to that philosophy, if you think of the concept of affirmative prayer, affirming the truth and claiming it becomes yeah. when it manifests, when it demonstrates yeah. this principle, it is the answer to your prayer. And it consists of five steps. So if you ever look up science of mind, look up Ernest Holmes, look up affirmative prayer, there is a way to do that, which puts you in the driver's seat. You get to drive your own bus in this life. Yes. And I wrote a book on affirmative prayer that is really good. And it and it walks you through those five steps. So not not to make a plug for myself, but I'll plug there. And that really is the technology that New Thought is found on. So um the fa- the Fillmores, the founders of Unity, um, Myrtle Fillmore, the wife, she um, actually was the founder before Charles joined her. It, you don't need all the history, but the deal is what brought her into New Thought and had that whole movement start was that she used affirmative prayer for three years. Um, and what I like to tell people when they're doing affirmative prayer is a manifestation will take as however long as it needs to take. So we tend to think, again, that you could do a one-shot prayer and then voila, it's, it's done. But Myrtle Filmer for three years prayed to heal her tuberculosis, which was um, a deadly disease. And she got healed and went on to live however many more decades. And so that work of changing your consciousness through prayer, through affirmative thought is so incredibly powerful that that's, that's how... Groundhog's Day has a different ending, right? I mean, that's how we do our turning our straw into gold. Yes. And, and you know, I'm glad you said that it took three years because um, it would be nice if we could just pray once and get what we want. Gosh, wouldn't it? But, you know, we're really not ready in, in a single time uh, praying, I would say, most of the time. And I have read stories over many years about people who prayed for years and what they, they they got the outcome that they wanted, but prayer is not a a quick fix or a fast meal. It is something, it's the journey that you take where you are constantly moving closer to that intelligent divine source 
And the, the thing that you're trying to manifest can be manifested, or it may be that there is a quality about that that you want, not the exact thing. You, you might be praying for a, a particular person to love you, and, it, and you think it's that one and only person. And if that one and only person doesn't love you, then, then prayer does not work. But what you could be looking for is the quality of love, a particular kind of love, a, a very respectful, gentle, wonderful love. And that you can find in prayer. You have to get the off the idea that your prayers can only be answered in one very specific way. Haven't you found that true, Bonnie? Absolutely. And I just, um, I'm thinking, Gary, when I think of you, Gary, I think of someone who's Mr. Possibility. And what affirmative prayer does is it, it kind of throws open the windows to what you mentioned, Suzanne, which is you may not get the thing that you think you want, but you will get what your soul is asking for because yes. you're throwing yes. the windows open and you're saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to have my mind think larger. I'm willing to align with that divine presence within me that knows what it's doing and to have that presence call things forward. And the more that I have been in this field and the more I've done this work, the more interested I am is in living in the flow and not having my own way. And so it's more of a surrender to the flow that my inner soul is guiding me toward. And so my work becomes that affirmative prayer that throws the window open more largely so that I can feel and know when I'm in or out of the flow the flow being the divine presence of God within us. You know, Bonnie, you just brought up something just now. There are times when I will see, oddly enough, because I'm a guy that barely made it through algebra, but I will see geometric shapes that yeah. communicate to me on a subconscious level. But then I see this, there's something like, uh, there's a, a dark rectangle and it looks to me like, you know, a window looking through that can't see what's ahead or something that is is smoky and shady, shadowy. And I go better stay away from that. There's a feeling tone that corresponds to that. When I listen to it, I am steered or steer myself out of trouble. When I say, oh, that's just me overthinking, I get myself in trouble. So I feel like the universe is constantly seeking to communicate to and through us if we would but pay attention. Absolutely. Just like your deep, deep yearning to go to Seattle. That's not your personality that did an analysis of all the places that you could live and made a pro and con list and came up with Seattle. This You had this inner conviction and drive that you felt compelled to follow. To me, that's the flow. That makes sense to me. It really does. There, and, and how great is it, those looking back, and many of our listeners can uh, empathize with this. Seattle is, is a wonderful place. It has its challenges, like big cities all over the country. That's true. But Seattle still is a uniquely wonderful place. And I felt that 
I moved there, which was in the summer of 1989. So I was there throughout the entire 1990s, the Frazier decade, if you will. To me, what was going on that that intellectual and commercial and financial ferment in a very progressive city with a metaphysical welcoming attitude as well. There in Seattle, I felt like to be alive in Seattle and Puget Sound throughout the 1990s was a special gift. It was a unique span of time, and I never had experiences anything like what I experienced there and then. I agree. I just think it was, although I don't want to say those were my best years because that's not true. The moment I'm living whenever it is, is that best time. But boy, as far as Seattle history goes, that was really an amazing time because so much innovation was happening. And and um, it was before the city was as large as it is now that is dealing with a lot of large city issues that you mentioned that are are happening. It's just um, a very different if you're if you are aware of feeling tones, it has a very different feel to it than it did in the 90s, for sure. And that's the need to pay attention. I haven't been to Seattle there since 2017. Always saying I hope to get back soon, and I mean it. We just have to work it out. You know, large cities are faced with large problems, but you know, there's something I read in in uh, this. Is, this comes from Taoism. You know, the way is open, the way is wide, the great way. But so many people in this life prefer the byways. They prefer those little spurs and they go off and they lose their way because they put their focus on the wrong things when the looming issues of life are right in front of them. And that's yeah, what aren't concerns we funny? me about big cities. Aren't we funny, though? We're always not always um, we're set up to think there's a better somewhere else than the now moment. Right. And yes. so um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because then we can never appreciate the now moment if we're busy trying to go toward an idealistic other right i mean it's just it's curious the way that we can think and again going back to spiritual practice we're training our minds to be here and to be now there's i i can't like i'm so grateful to be here with the two of you right now and if I weren't present with the two of you right here, right now, my mind would be like what you said about Taoism, Gary, wanting to be on a side street in another country, picking grapes or doing whatever. And then I miss the opportunity to be here with the two of you right now and enjoy this amazing moment in time, which you and I will never have again. This is our moment right now. We can have future moments, but we will never have this moment again. And you're My, speaking to an ancient philosophy, Bonnie, because a long yeah. time ago, a philosopher said you can't step into the same river twice. It's always flowing. It's always flowing. So my body will be different next time we talk. My thoughts will be different next time we talk. The collective world will be different next time we, we get together. If we get together a next time. So this really is a rarefied moment in time that the three of us and anyone who's listening participates in. And, and it's just now. 
So the interesting thing is if we aren't training our mind through spiritual practice, then it is chaotic and scattered and all over the place. And we aren't enjoying what's happening right now. I like that because we are being pulled in so many directions all the time. I I, I just feel like people are, for the most part, overwhelmed with families, young children, uh, elderly parents, their jobs, their finances, their house, you know, the things that they own, the things that they do, the sports, the everything. It, there are so many opportunities for us right now that I think we get pulled in many, many, many directions and it leaves us scattered. It leaves us chaotic. How do we pull ourselves back together in a way that that doesn't have our minds be crazy? What do you like to say to people about that? Well, one of the things that's different that didn't exist before that exists now is our devices. And so the good news is we're able to communicate with each other because we have devices that allow us to do it. And the world is able to tune in and have have an experience of our conversation because we have devices. So that's good. But when those devices start controlling us and what research has shown is that they actually change the way that our brains work. Because everything is fast, immediate, short-term, um, opioid grati- gratituded or, or gratified, um, that our, we are so distracted now because we have devices and we feel a need to check them all the time. And, and the number of times that human beings touch their phones now is insane. And so what I have noticed in my ministry over the last maybe five years in particular is that um, there's a very high percentage of people that I meet that have anxiety. And that was not the case five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And the other thing I've noticed is that there's a lot of people having difficulty sleeping. So it's like, um, the in addition to having all of the duties that you explained <clears throat> so well with taking your kids here and there and doing this and that there's this call from our telephones call from our computers call f- there's this this rapidity that happens and our bodies are changing in response to it and so it's my belief that now more than ever We need to have a spiritual practice because it would be so easy to be caught up in this manic energy that um, is existing and running a good portion of our collective consciousness. Thank you for saying that. That That is absolutely perfect. Gary and I have been talking about spiritual practices lately you know, what they are, what we might want to incorporate, how to add something to our lives, which will be hugely beneficial. Prayer, meditation are but two, but it could be, it could be journaling. It could, your spiritual practice could involve um, artwork or playing music or even listening to music 
you know, as long as it, the music itself doesn't make you crazy. But those are the kinds of things I think that we need to calm our brains down enough to, uh, you know, not let them run away. You know, um, David Friedman, I recommended during our break, I brought his name up. He wrote a book called The Thought Exchange, which um, I really love. And there was a period of time where my friend Rhonda Britton, who you guys know, there was a period of time where the two of us for a year would every night before we go to bed, we'd read a portion of his book to each other. And then we'd talk about it. And we did, we read his book three times. We loved his work so much and it changed our awareness so beautifully. Um, it's called the thought exchange, his work. And um, he, what it's developed into is his bringing us moment to moment into practicing calming our nervous system. So that as we have thoughts that agitate us, he has us stop and for 10 seconds, just go inside and have this beautiful internal experience that lulls our um, frenetic nervous system. And he would be really lovely for you guys to have on and his practice just of throughout the day stopping and just getting quiet and feeling into something you love is transformative as well. Lots and lots of ways to have a good spiritual practice. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't think there's one way, but what um, I know there's not one way I'm rereading Jack Cornfield's a path with heart for my love series. That's coming up um, this month. And um, in reading it, he says, it doesn't matter the path that you choose, the spiritual practices that you do, but you want to do them for over a long period of time because that's what makes them work. Like we were talking about how long it would take for us to become aware we're co-creators. It's like if we decide to do journaling for a month and then we're going to switch to chanting and then we're going to switch to affirmative prayer and then we're going to switch, we don't get the benefit and the depth out of the practice, right? So I like the idea that you guys are looking at what you want to practice. And then the other part to that is to commit to doing it for a long enough period of time that you can actually reap the reward of it. That's the key. There, a, a psychologist, I'm sure he's long since passed. He was saying this about 40 years ago. He noted that if you adopt a spiritual practice, if you adopt a faith tradition, it will, if you stick with it, it will become operative in your life. Yes. So pick what works for you and it will work for you. Yes, but you have to work it. It's not a passive thing, right? You have to work it. It's not a passive thing. It's a very active thing, a dynamic thing. And you're a dynamic person. Reverend Bonnie Barnard, we love you. I so love you too. Thank you for being in my life and making it richer. Continued success to you, madam. All right. I appreciate it and I take it. And... Thank you very much. We will look forward to having Bonnie back again. And at one o'clock, we have American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance, who's on today. Well, tune in. Thank you so much. And I hope this is the start of your great weekend, everyone.